every American citizen must have an equal right to vote. The administration of elections is primarily a state and local responsibility. Whether you voted for the very first time or waited in line for a very long time, by the way, we have to fix that. Welcome to High Turnout Wide Margins. This is Brianna Lennon. I'm the county clerk in Boone County, Missouri, and with me is my co-host. Eric Fade, Director of Elections in St. Louis County, Missouri. And we are very excited today to have Harris County Clerk, Tanisha Hudspeth. And she's going to be talking to us about her role in Harris County and also her role in community outreach. So welcome and thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much for inviting me to this podcast. It is a pleasure and uh, such an honor to come and speak about my experiences uh, in the elections realm because it is its own world. And I think people think that elections just happen and then people go away and they come back again when it's another election. So um, that's not so. We're working on elections all the time, but thank you for the invite. Uh, My name is Tanisha Hudspeth. I am the current uh, Harris County clerk and the first African-American woman elected to this office in Harris County. Um, My journey to public service, if you will, started in college. I attended Texas Southern University right here in the city of Houston. I'm an Austin native, so I grew up in Austin, Texas. Um, people always ask me, why did you come? Why did you move to Houston to stay in Houston? Austin so much better, but you know, I love Houston. And uh, I be, I was, uh, I had the opportunity to become a congressional Mickey Leland intern. I was um, one of the eight interns to, uh, to intern on the Hill in 2003. At the time I interned for Congressman Chet Edwards, who's, who's not been in office for some years now, but was a Democrat and a congressional member whose uh, district and area really covered a lot of our military bases. I was the communications intern and gave the communications director a break for a whole semester in 2003. I left Texas, went to DC and one of the worst snowstorm winters ever. And it was a huge, huge culture shock for uh, a Texas girl to come to DC, but it was by far the best experience that could have ever happened to me. And that semester, I learned all about what it means to serve uh, people on a larger spectrum. And I had the opportunity to write a couple of the congressman's speeches, go to finance and budget hearings and things that he was members of. And, uh, and innately, my role in you know, getting my degree in communications ended up going from wanting to be a TV personality to working in communications and politics or in public service. I came back here to Houston, finished school, was taking coursework and interning. And uh, shortly after graduating from Texas Southern, there was an opportunity here in the county clerk's office. This was 2005. At the time, this position was an administrative assistant position in public affairs. I had really been bitten by the, uh, the political bug and wanted to contribute to something, but I really wanted to contribute to something in the voting, registration, educating realm but my sorority was founded 108 years ago, uh, Delta Sigma Theta. And one of the things that uh, we're really big on is social action and registering people to vote, educating people about the voting process and why it's so important for us to be involved in the process. I've served on the Urban League Board and many other different organizations here in our city and county. And so this was just kind of a dream job for me, right? I really didn't know what to expect Um, But that's how I ended up in elections. 
office. I've been in the clerk's office this past November, 15 years. And a majority of my time spent was over in elections. Now, Texas is a Voting Rights Act state. And with that comes the requirements of certain languages and laws and things that have to be put in measure when it came to the voting process here. And so quickly, I knew that it was important, you know, not just from a language perspective, but those groups that had been particularly known as disenfranchised or not educated or not being provided the information in their particular communities about the process. That was one of the reasons why I was hired. So I didn't stay in administrative assistant position very long. Um, actually, the county clerk at the time, who was a Republican county clerk, Beverly Kaufman, promoted me to become a voter outreach coordinator. And while I did outreach coordination and I went to community organizations and talked about the process and how you access the process and made materials available in a different way. Look, we've evolved a lot since then. You know, you have social media and those things, but back in 2005 and six. We weren't so there, you know, during those years in terms of promoting information and voting. And one of the things that Ms. Kaufman wanted me to do was really create this, this pipeline of communication, particularly with the African-American community. And what was birthed out of that was an advisory committee, uh, not only for my community, but for the Vietnamese, the Chinese, and for years to come, and the Spanish communities where we would go to different organizations meet with them and basically partner with them, right? We're bringing, as elections administrator, here's the information. What you do with it as advocates, we wanna just make sure you're getting the correct information and that we're meeting your needs, we're answering your questions. And I'm happy to say over my time there, I played a very heavy role in not only educating, which leads to increasing turnout in, in elections, but educating and getting people more invigorated about getting registered and I went through a title of four different positions over in elections, and each one was an area to grow. Well, in 2018, November, Diane Troutman was elected. And as a Democratic county clerk, she was the first in the last several tenures. And she campaigned on bringing a new wave of something to the county, a new fresh idea but an easier access to the voting process. And that was creating countywide voting. And this was something that some of the other counties had done in Texas already, smaller counties near Harris County, like Brazoria County, Fort Bend County, they were doing countywide voting where you could go to any particular location. And it made sense, right? The counties were smaller, but it also really made sense in Harris County. Harris County is huge. You could drive for an hour from downtown to another part of the county and still be in the same county. So she thought, well, you know, the process before was where you could only vote in the precincts and you were registered. And thousands upon thousands of voters uh, would be disenfranchised because they were going to the precinct in which they were not registered on election day, which was the last opportunity to vote sometimes at the end of the time that polling locations were closing. Now we were already kind of operating in that concept during early voting. And we've been doing early voting for years, way prior to uh, Troutman coming into office. And it was a two week period. And during two weeks, you could go to any one of the, you know, over the years, 40 odd plus locations and go vote early. And you can go anywhere, whether it was close to where you work, where you went to school, where your children went to school, where you went, you know, your worship center or civic group, um, you could go anywhere. And it worked really well. And what we noticed over the years of voting, a large amount of 
county residents, registered residents would go vote early. The numbers were climbing over every election. And of course, we saw the largest amount of numbers climb when uh, you had President Obama, our former president, on the ballot in 2008. And you started seeing not just Obama, but you started seeing candidates on both sides that were kind of building popularity, building more relevance to get people out to vote. Uh, but it came with some challenges. You know, uh, Troutman came into office in January of 2019. And anytime that you bring a new voting system to a county, especially of this size, you know, you have to educate individuals. And while it's easy in our mind to think, well, it's just easy, you can go vote anywhere. It still had to be a system set in place uh, where you had to introduce this new way of voting. Well, the first, I believe, requirement or asking of us by our Harris County Commissioner's Court was to go out and to have meetings in different commissioner's precincts and with the community, which we were already doing with, with our advisory groups and talk about countywide voting, what it mean, meant, why it was important. And here in the state of Texas, you have to go through uh, a certain level of requirements built by the Secretary of State and our election code before you can be approved to be a countywide voting uh, county. And so uh, between January and May, we were conducting meetings, physical meetings in every commissioner's precinct if there were any organizations that were holding meetings and would invite us, we would have personnel go out. We were also uh, sending out more newsletters, talking with our media outlets and things of this nature, bringing this new wave of voting. But we had to do surveys and get feedback from the voters here and hear from individuals on what they wanted to see. We had to do studies on polling locations. And if you were countywide, you know, do you reduce? Do you expand? But we had a commissioner's court that said, we definitely want to expand locations. We're approaching a heavy uh, voting location here. So long story short is there were many of mandates put on to educate and get this done, but our biggest opposition was on a state level. There was a lot of pushback on us being able to move forward on this project. We had the capabilities as far as technology wise. We had the type of machines that could allow for it and the system put in place to allow for it. But we had quite a road with getting the Secretary of State to approve us. Um, and our first approval was in May to try out countywide voting in a very small election in 2019, which were small entities and cities we were producing elections for. Um, that went well, but you really can't measure, you know, a November election with a May election. And so going from May to just November, we had some dragging of the feet on the state level to get the approval to move forward to do countywide voting in November 2019. Well, I'm happy to say the rest is history from there because we've been operating on the countywide voting system ever since then. And I'm so grateful to Troutman and her vision to do this and to get it done right away in her tenure so early. But I can tell you, we wouldn't have been successful, as successful as we were this past November 2020, had it not been for the implementation of countywide voting centers. I could sympathize with a lot of what you were saying, though. We, for the first time in 2020, we went to a vote anywhere model in St. Louis County. Um, and so it was it was a challenge. But just like you said, I, I think to the extent that we were successful, that built in a lot of flexibility on Election Day. Another thing you touched on, though, that I'd really like to hear more from you about was the interplay with the state. In Missouri, St. Louis County is the largest county in Missouri. It's nowhere near the size of Harris County, but quite often I feel like 
you know, I talked to the other clerks across the state and our challenges are necess not necessarily their challenges and their challenges are not necessarily our challenges. Being such a large county and in Texas, very diverse, you have a lot of very, very small counties as well. How does that work in Texas? Do you feel like you have enough flexibility to get done what you need to get done? I just curious about your insight on that. You, you put a good point in there. A lot of times when we go to conferences or have gone to conferences in the past in terms of elections, you have these much, much smaller rules, smaller counties, right? And they were there were not very many metro, larger diversity counties. You, I mean, you have Dallas, you have San Antonio, you have a couple of places, Travis County, which is Austin, that you could compare to, but navigating it on the political side and getting the support was an interesting process. We had to do everything from go to advocacy groups, to state representatives, to congressional members. There was a lot of hesitation and I think kind of shifting mindset. And then when you get to the voting process, I think people always second guess, well, is this really the right thing to do until you do it? For us, you know, our office, we met with elected officials and we opened our doors to all political backgrounds, we allowed them to speak on why they believe it should be put in place, why they shouldn't believe it should be in place. And we received that feedback. We realized that there needed to be some buy-in from elected officials that thought this was important. And so that meant some of those elected officials wrote letters and kind of helped push why this was important for our county and the people that they serve in their communities. Um, because let's just be honest, when you look at the numbers of how many people were not able to vote or went to the wrong polling location, or just, you know, those that hadn't voted since the last presidential election, right? You hadn't voted in two federal cycles, then you come in on election day to vote or doing early voting, and your name wouldn't even be on the voter rolls. And we don't have same day registration and that sort of thing. And so there were these many different, um, I don't want to say obstacles, but different spaces that we had to operate in to help shift the mindset in this county. And while we did like a crash course of it, which I don't suggest to anyone, if they don't, <laughs> if they don't have to do it that way, in Diane Troutman's mind and in my mind, we wanted it implemented before 2020 in the primaries, right? And so we had to do this within a year span. And it was nonstop, every month, every week. And every step of the way we were challenged, Several weeks before election date in November 2019, a quote unquote email was sent from the Secretary of State to county elections administrators to say the way you're transmitting your election results, you know, it can't be done a certain way. Now, this way of transmitting election results, we had done for many election cycles with previous county clerks. And all of a sudden, this huge change was being made and it was being done several weeks before the start of early voting. You know, we can say many different things about that. But one thing I do know is typically the state will not go in and make big changes or adjustments of this nature in the middle, directly in the middle of an election that's already operating. We had hundreds of thousands of individuals who were already voting by mail. I think, you know, there was a lot of pointing of the finger, well, this and that. I think we have clear evidence of some of the difficulty that we came against while trying to produce this. We knew that we have to keep the end in mind and to not turn back or allow anything to turn us back from that. Now, within the law, we weren't going to break any laws or be in contempt of, you know, having the elections office shut down or anything of that nature. We had our, our Harris County 
attorney team and election experts to really assist us with making sure anything we were done legally was done right and our checks and balances were done. You have to get the buy-in, but then you also have to get the support to drive you to get where you want to be. The, the great thing about countywide voting is it was a positive no matter what side of town you lived on, no matter your background, no matter your political affiliation, countywide voting worked for everybody. It's easy and accessible, right? And don't have to leave work, go all the way home, fight through traffic. Houston is huge. Harris County is huge. Traffic is horrific, <laughs> you know? And so getting the buy-in and explaining this really is a win-win for everyone involved. And, you know, we still struggle with going into a legislative session where there are going to be some uh, attacks on voters' rights and there'll be voter suppression outright and things of this nature that will try to be put in place in Texas uh, to kind of hold us back or push us back from where we where we've gotten. And, and this last November, I have to say, was a, an incredible example of what elections can be. So one of the things I mentioned earlier was, you know, a county clerk had to be an interim appointment before uh, the term was filled in November. Uh, well, I uh, asked and submitted my resume and everything uh, to be considered for the interim appointment, because at the time I thought that was the right thing to do. Look, we were losing our county clerk. I had worked closely with her and her vision and what we needed to do to move forward. And I felt like I was the woman to kind of move us forward as we, as the politics took care of itself. <laughs> and we figured out who the next county clerk was. And so I wasn't chosen to do that. And I think it didn't take me long to figure out, you know what, you've done the work, you've learned it. It's important work. You should run. And so Christopher Hollins was the interim appointment. And I think it ended up being a pretty uh, impeccable appointment. He was young. He was passionate about voters' rights. And what he did was add a little bit more to what we had already done. So we already had countywide in place, um, but he took a more progressive approach. He says, well, now not only are we conducting an election, we're conducting one in the middle of a global pandemic. Luckily, Chris started in June. And so we had a runoff election in July to get his feet wet and then in November. So now here we are having to execute on you know, probably one of the largest turnout presidential elections we'll ever see in our time, but figure out a way to still serve people, keep them safe, do it in, you know, expansive ways and pray that we still get election workers and people that are not so scared to stay home to help us run this thing. Man, if, when I look back over that year, it, it went by fast, but it was so many learning experience of what you can do a little with a lot and a lot with a little, if, if you will, on, on both, both sides of it. And so we ended up, you know, ex being able to expand the amount of early voting days. So where we went from 12 days of early voting, we went to a month. Now, before the governor approved this because of COVID, our county clerk had already asked for us to be able to vote longer. And so we had a long month of early voting. Um, the hours were extended. So we just didn't have seven to seven during all of early voting. Some of the days we had early voting till 10 o'clock PM. And then the last Thursday leading into Friday for the first time ever, we had voting for 24 hours during the early voting period. Um, we also had drive-through voting, which I'm sure if you all were keeping up with what was going on in Texas, it was a, a heck of a ride, a heck of a roller coaster ride. And I've told many people this, never have I ever in my 15 years of working with elections 
said in a federal court the day before election day, uh, wondering whether voters would have their right taken away from them because of a, a new mindset of a way to make sure people vote and vote safely. And before we did drive through voting, we did our checks and balances. We, we checked it out. You know, it had its challenges. We looked at the law. We did all those different things to be able to move it forward. And uh, we even thought, okay, well, now we know we're going to have tons of people voting by mail. Now we should open up some of our annexes of the county clerk's office and allow them to drop those mail ballots off versus, you know, sending them in the mail because you have this expansive amount of mail. And then there were fear tactics that were going out because of the postal system issues. And so for every one thing that we were dealing with, it seemed like another obstacle would come or something else would come along. And, uh, and that's what I will give to Christopher Hollins as the interim clerk is he, he had the mindset of, well, just cause it wasn't done in the past. Why, you know, why can't we figure out a way to do it now? And I think that helped this office to frame in ways of, you know what, just because you haven't seen it doesn't doesn't mean that it can't happen. So how big is your office? I know that elections, well, and now elections is apart from the clerk's office and you've got a lot of other things. But I mean, as all of these changes to the election world are happening, you're also managing all of these other (laughs) tasks and things like that. So with the size of Harris County, how many staff are working on elections on a full-time basis there? So my understanding right now, so just to give a little context, on the last day of early voting, I believe that day was October 30th, uh, the Commissioner's Court and Election Commission voted to, I'm sorry, the Election Commission voted at the time to appoint uh, elections administrator. So that appointment was made, that person was, uh, was, took their oath of office to be the EA the day after I took my oath of office to become the county clerk. So I will tell you, it was a weird, weird situation saying, well, you know what? I campaigned on being the county clerk and running elections and doing all these things, but I'll be the county clerk of everything else now. (laughs) And so um, here in Texas, although I'm not the elections administrator and running elections and voter registration, I do sit on the election commission board, which will help to make sure that the direction we go in is gonna be the direction and also hold the office accountable. With that being said, I'm, I'm the county clerk, but I'm the county clerk of so much more. The county clerk's office here in Harris County, we maintain the records and the customer service uh, way that we provide those records through the probate courts, the civil courts and commissioner's court. We also uh, serve uh, in our real property documents and deeds, uh, we handle you know, assume names. So when you get your marriage license or when you start your business, you get your DBA from this office. There are many things that this office contains. If you have a business and it's a restaurant and you need to get your liquor license, well, that comes through the county clerk's office as well. And so while you're probably familiar with quite a few of those things, I think for so long, the county clerk's office has been all about elections or that's what people paid attention to because it was more newsworthy. We got a lot of earned media. Now that the offices are separated, it's going to be able to highlight, and what I will be doing during this tenure as county clerk, is highlight why the county clerk is so important. Look, we just don't maintain documents and push paper all day. And I want to get away from the thought that that might even be a thing here. We do so much more than that. We literally walk people through all the major events of their life. 
I mean, if you're a resident of Harris County, you're gonna come through our office for something or another at some point. Birth and death records, marriage licenses I spoke about before, business, you know, deed restrictions, all these different things, we service everyone. And so part of what I'll be doing is, you know, wanna bring the customer service level up in this office to the highest point that we possibly can, but really promote, you know, the importance of why we serve you and innovative ways that we can continue to serve people. Because when we had to close our doors last March because of COVID and close to the public, we had to figure out how the heck are we going to do all these services in the middle of a global pandemic? And we had to do it in a pretty quick manner. So we closed our office to the public at the end of March, right after primary elections because of COVID. And uh, we were only then taking phone calls, doing you know virtual things on the website where you could get certified documents and those things of that nature and mailing items. Well, of course, you know, the mail quickly got backed up and by July, we were starting to implement by appointment only. This is of course, after we had PPE in place, we were able to get plexiglass screens and all the security and safe measures in place for our employees to be able to do by appointment based only for some of these services. And so we're looking at so many different things, but I'm going to tell you, um, one of the things that I just couldn't believe we couldn't be able to do marriage licenses virtually over Zoom. <laughs> and because the law didn't provide for that, you still have to do it in person. So we started researching other states and places that were making exceptions for marriage licenses. And one of the things I'll be uh, going to Austin this legislative session is, hey, can we make some adjustments to this code? If we're getting all the information uh, you know, via electronic, the IDs, everything like that, we should be able to come onto a Zoom outlet, allow the, the individuals that are getting married, get married, take their oath or do their thing to get married and do it virtually. And so, you know, I don't know that our world will ever go back to exactly the way it used to be before. And so we've got to figure out, you know, as we continue to serve in ways, how do we do that safely for our employees that serve the public, but also for the public that has to receive those services. Tanisha, if you don't mind, I'd like to switch gears a little bit and I'd like to ask you a question that has been on my mind for a number of years. And it goes back to your, your intro where you mentioned that you're the first African-American county clerk in the history of Harris County. So when I came into my position and I started going to election conferences at the state level and at the, the national level, I noticed that the field of election administration is really white. And you walk in there and it, it's a lot of white folks in that conference room, considering that the United States has such a sordid history as it, as it pertains to voting rights for African-Americans. Do you see a way to have more African-Americans involved in the administration of elections and in county administration? Um, is there a way forward there? I, um, I don't know the answer. I'm just a white guy sitting in Missouri, and but I notice it. I don't really know what to do about it, though. Yeah, um, you know, that's a wonderful question. And I'm glad that you even had the foresight to think about that. You know, when I started working in elections, I was afforded the opportunity to go to EAC conferences, to NACO and NACRAC at the time. And and uh, and I was the only African-American in most of those rooms and sometimes the only African-American woman in those rooms. And, you know, I considered myself to always be this, political nerd and love the elections process, but I understood the importance of advocacy on the voting side. I didn't understand the importance of what it did to make it work. 
And I felt like if I took the opportunity to understand how you make elections work, that it's it's uh, it helps to equip you to share the message of why voting is important. And so what I realized, one is you had, you know, the this history of uh, African-Americans who have been disenfranchised or not educated about the voting process or not having access to it, plain and simple. And this history of a state where, you know, you had to pay a poll tax in order to vote. Again, getting people in spaces to understand and be educated, I think is the hardest piece of that. Now, years have come and you're starting to see more diversity in some of those conferences, but still not the level of diversity that I imagine you're thinking in terms of. So I was kind of what you would consider a very different person, maybe a diamond in the rough to even care about elections that much. And when it would come to our county and state, I would have every a lot of folks in, in my demographic who would just go to Tanisha. She's the one to get it. But we also had people in our office, like a Hector de Leon, who's Hispanic and really paid attention to the demographics in the Hispanic community with the outreach coordinators in the Vietnamese and Chinese community. We were really the hubs to start really having those conversations to say, hey guys, we need to be in the room, right? And we don't need to just be in the room. We have to better understand it. Now, to answer your question on getting others involved, um, you know, I don't know what the requirements of Missouri is, but I think what really helped us is that we were a state where we had to have this language um, assistance program put in place. And out of that language assistance program, birthed, right, really catering to those demographics and those communities. And over time, with the work that we did in the community, brought more attention to elections, brought more attention to what we're doing and being involved in that. And even if you didn't want to go work full time in elections, right, because we worked heavily on recruiting individuals in our communities to work the polls, right. And with those individuals working the polls, they were like, oh, this is how it all happens, right? Because for years I would go and speak to people and they would say, well, when there's no election, what are you doing? And I'm thinking, there's always an election. <laughs> and we're always working, you know, preparing for the next election, closing out one and preparing for the next election. And it would just be baffling to me that people would think we'd set up voting equipment and code elections and all of a sudden, here's your ballot and here you go vote. No, you know, it was years, it was time spent understanding the code and making sure that things are done having the experts in different areas to do the work. And I really think, you know, that language assistance program and the work we did in that small group, small department helped to birth and really bring in additional talent and additional interest and in people that wanted to be involved in elections. And, uh, and, and, and really, I think, you know, that model should probably be the case um, in most counties. Now you're going to have you know, devil's advocates, and you're going to have others on the other side saying, well, all people need this information. And with that being said, we didn't just educate and go to meetings in our communities or in those particular demographics. I went to very conservative uh, white Republican areas, and I spoke with them and answered their questions. Now, their questions might have been a little different than if I went over to the Civic Center in downtown Houston. Um, but we really served everyone. Um, and even when it wasn't always in agreement to the work that you were doing, but we said, hey, you know, the law requires us to do this. And not only that, you know, how can we take what is not required and, and do better and bigger with it? Because that's just what we should be doing. Um, I think I mentioned earlier, 
the elections administrator who was really the talent to come from Travis County, Austin here to Harris County to make sure we were able to implement voting centers. It wasn't just all Diane Troutman. There's a man named Michael Wynn who implemented voting centers for the first time in Travis County and did a impeccable job. And so Troutman convinced him after many conversations <laughs> to come to Harris County. And he thought, oh my gosh, I always thought whoever was running in the elections in Harris County was crazy. And now I'm that crazy guy. <laughs> and so Michael Wynn, who is an expert and who has, has done elections for, oh God, over 27 years and is really, truly the expert, is the one that has the mindset of knowing like all counties, small, large, whatever you have, the importance of working across the party lines and, and really getting the buy-in and getting people to understand why our jobs are so important and how we need them to champion it for us to be able to do our jobs. Look, you want good elections, you want efficient elections, you want you know your people to be heard. Well, that means we need both sides to cooperate just so we can make the ballot box accessible. That's what he did for Harris County. I mean, he came here, he told us what needed to be done to implement voting centers, walked us through that. And then we did the advocacy parts and those other things to bring it here. But I can't, I would be remiss if I said, you know, oh, we, we, we created this out of the blue sky. No, we had an expert to come here to help us with that. And, and I'm happy to say now Michael Wynn is my chief deputy of the county clerk's office because I realized one, yes, I'll be the county clerk of everything else, but I have to sit on this election commission and I have to have an expert to make sure one, that I'm asking the right questions, that we're doing what we that we would have done if you were there running that department and that we continue doing that. And so he's been an impeccable addition to our team and I think to this county. And so, you know, ultimately you have to put something in place that you're strategically looking for talent in these communities that are the face and names, but have done the work. Look, before I worked in elections, I did advocacy work. So those folks want to know that you've done the grassroots stuff <laughs> and, and finding that talent, bringing them in, even if it's not a program you can hire, you can still create advisory meetings and invite the general public to just hear what are our elections? What are they about? And what do we do between now and you going to vote at the ballot box? Starting those conversations, you know, we have COVID, so you could do it virtually, record it on your Facebook page and share it. That is where it started. It started in that small department called, before it used to be public affairs, then it became communications, and then it became communications and voter outreach. And it wasn't that we were telling people how to vote or what they needed to do and measures. It was saying, here's the information. These are the tools. You do with it what you please. But at the end of the day, we've given you all the resources, the materials to activate yourself in the voting process. You have been in a county in a very tumultuous time, in a very political time. What advice do you have on getting through that and on forging relationships, I guess, to smooth the pathway so that all the work that you do have sustains and you don't have to worry about somebody coming in and, and erasing it just because they don't like the politics? That is probably the best question asked by far because truly and honestly, um, if you don't uh, create these relationships and they don't have to be bestie relationships, look, there's a lot of people that I can call upon and say, hey, you may not agree with me, but hear me out on this. And so creating those relationships on both sides 
and just saying, this is what we're going to do. Now, you may not be a part of it, but we're giving you the opportunity to be a part of it. I don't know what I really did looking back in particular to get through such tumultuous times other than share my experiences as transparent as possible and not holding anything back um, and doing it professionally, but being as transparent as possible. And one thing I got to do is I got to speak to a lot of groups. I got to go on a lot of virtual panels and things of that nature. And when I got on that panel, I spoke and said, look, this is the truth of the matter of the process, right? Because people don't understand the process. You all do because you work in it. And then I would paint the picture of this is what's happening to try and stunt the growth of this process. And so in order for us to be able to move forward and do this, these are the tools, this is what you need to do, community members, because you have to have the voters of that county and that area, you know, whether small or large, to get this mindset that you're, you're going to be as transparent. Sometimes you're gonna sit in places, which I often did, where people don't agree with you, they don't like you, they don't like the work that you're doing, but standing in your truth and knowing that what you're doing at the end of the day was good. Uh, it was good work and it was good for everybody, whether they wanted to admit that it was good for everybody or not. <laughs> um, and so during those, those difficult times, I'm sure there were many different things that I did in conversation personally with mentors and advisors and people who had been through things of that nature in the industry and outside the industry and just kind of giving foresight and saying, okay, now think about it this way. Think about it that way. How should you approach it in the middle? And so, like I said, I was in a situation where I was running an office with an interim county clerk who prior to coming into the office didn't know anything about the election process on, in the terms of running an election. He understood elections on the political side and running for the office at the same time. And, uh, and one thing I held true to is I made peace with Tanisha her values, what she knew to be true, and whether I won the office of county clerk or not, that I knew I was doing the right thing. And my only hope was that people would see that we serve everybody. And how do we do that um, in a way that everyone uh, is a win-win? And so, um, you know, in difficult times, holding true to who you are, standing on that and being okay uh, with the politics of it, trying to keep you from going to a certain place because of that. And if you're solid on that side, which I said, you have to have a strong circle of people that are knowledgeable. I had a fellow county attorney person that I could call and say, hey, what do you think about this? I'm going into this a meeting to say this. Could this really come back to bite me? <laughs> you know, um, there are a lot of different things you can do, but mine was standing in the truth of who I was, the knowledge and the work that I put in, and knowing that we were doing what was right. We weren't doing anything underhanded. We weren't doing anything shady. We were doing what people deserve to see and get when it came to the political process. And by God, if somebody wanted to stop that, well then shame on them, <laughs> you know, um, shame on them. And so really creating those relationships with all facets and backgrounds and political biases and saying, this is who we are. We have to serve everyone and we want you to be a part of that forward movement and serving. If you choose to not do that, that's fine. 
but we're making you available, we're making ourselves available for you to be a part of that partnership. When people feel like they bought into something and they have to hold themselves accountable and responsible for it, then they then know that, you know, either you're going to get on this boat or you're going to get off and go the opposite way. <laughs> I like it. Get on or get off. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for tuning in again to another episode of High Turnout, Wide Margins. A big thank you to Tanisha Hudspeth from Harris County, Texas, for being our guest today. We hope you enjoyed it, and we hope you tune in again next time for another episode of High Turnout, Wide Margins. <laughs>